welcome you to our fourth episode of the CH Stories podcast. I'm Josh Quaddy, the college-age minister at College Heights, and we love this podcast because we think it gives a platform for students in Joplin, Missouri to share their story, because we believe that everyone has a story that is worthy of being heard. So today, we have Haley that's joining us. Hi, I'm Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us and, and being willing to share some of your story with us here today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so you go to school at? Missouri Southern. Okay, and what's your major? I'm a bio pre-med major, um, and my goal is to be a trauma surgeon. Okay, on purpose, On right? purpose, yes, <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> okay, how did you, how, why this career pursuit? Um, well, I've always had a love for, um, science and helping people like really on my job that I have now in which I'm a sitter at mercy and I work Mm. with visiting angels. I help people all the time and they tell me all these things that they don't actually necessarily tell the doctor. It's like their Mm. feelings and all that. And I just get to connect with them and I really love doing that. And then also my dad was an ER paramedic. So I got to hear all the gory stories and all that jazz but um and you're okay with that yeah i'm okay with that yeah oh my goodness i'm usually the person people call in case there's an emergency well you already this semester right yes yeah on the first thursday of the semester i was just cleaning my room and my friend came and like pounding on my door he was panicked he was like Haley, my friend got really really drunk he fell off his bed he cut his head open he's unresponsive i was like Okay. And I sprinted all the way from the quads to the suites. And my other friend, Yesenia, saw me running in, was like, this is not good, and came to help me. But I was able to clean his wound, stabilize his head. We were able to get him in the car and get him to the hospital. He had a blood alcohol level that was above fatal. Oh, my goodness. It was 0.42. Yeah. So you saved his life. Yeah. Me, his friends were smart enough to come and get someone who knew what to do, who wasn't going to panic in the situation mm-hmm. because they were panicking the entire time. It was it was a crazy night for sure. Not where I saw my night going. And he's okay now? Oh, he's completely fine. Yeah, we're better. friends now. So okay. <laughs> well, I'd never yeah. met him before and now we're friends. <laughs> I'm sure you are friends. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Haley. You saved your life. I uh... Actually, that's how I introduced myself, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... So uh, where did you grow up then? I grew up in Martinez, California, okay. which is about an hour east, northeast of uh, San Francisco okay. and about 30 minutes east of Oakland, if you, encount- if you count for traffic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how in the world did you end up in Joplin, Missouri, of all places? Okay. So it's actually kind of a funny story. My mom's boyfriend at the time had um, lived in Joplin for 10 years and moved back to San- Sacramento to help take care of his mom. And he brought me back a Missouri Southern sweatshirt. So I just like wore it all the time. And then I was going through this like magazine for college, like my junior year. I was like, okay, where do I want to go? I don't know. It's hard to pick. And, um, I saw the accelerated pre-med program here Uh at Missouri Southern. And I was like, Hey, I already have the sweatshirt, you know? (laughs) And I applied and it was the best option. I would be closest to this med school I actually want to go to because I prefer to be a DO over an MD if I do get the choice. It depends on what schools I get accepted to. And plus I get my bachelor's in three years instead of four. Okay. So help maybe other people, I mean, I understand exactly what you're talking about, (laughs) but for people like that don't know what you're talking about, like when you say accelerated med program, I don't know if everybody knows about that at Missouri Southern. Yeah. So, um, Missouri Southern has a thing called the Yours to Lose program. Now, I'm not 
I'm technically a cohort of the Yours to Lose, uh, Yours to Lose program. It just means that I'm not accepted into med school yet. Yeah. I take all the same classes at them, and it's at an accelerated pace. Mm-hmm. So usually pre-med students will take bio one one semester, bio two the next semester, and take everything at a time, do it in four years. Okay. What we do is we have these shortened classes. So okay. we take bio one and bio two in the exact same semester oh in half the amount of time. And we oh did the same goodness. for chem one and chem two. And we take um, classes that are also specialized for us. Like we took oral communication with a medical aspect. Okay. So basically we would learn how to talk to patients, you know, have the death talk and uh-huh. all that. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Are you surviving? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I have another test tomorrow and I already had one on Monday and I had one today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, grades matter to most people in most mm-hmm. majors, but I know in the medical field in particular, it's so competitive to get into the colleges, That's the, true. the med schools that you want to get into, your grades really matter. I've somehow managed to keep the 4.0 hey. and I've gotten A's on all my tests so far. So right. knock job. on wood, but... Good job. Good job. Okay. So, so you're growing up. Um, I kind of, you know, you kind of hinted on this that your parents split up. So tell me about like growing up, what was home life like back in California? Okay. Until I was about 12, you know, it was all dandy, you know, pretty good childhood, nothing really to complain about. Like we had big family dinners, like every Tuesday with my aunt and my cousins. And it was, it was nice. You know, Mm -hmm. it was that, you know, I used to think, I was like, I'm so thankful, you know, my parents aren't divorced. I have all these people mm-hmm. around me. I have a family. And little did I know how grateful I would have been for that later. Yeah. Um, and then right around when I was like 12-ish, 13-ish, um, my mom, my aunt got into some fights. Mm-hmm. And she pushed my mom out of her my mom's own business. Okay. And my mom was like, fine, you know, because my dad had convinced her. She's like, we don't need her. It's fine. We can get your surgery because my mom had been diagnosed with a bicuspid aortic valve and it was rapidly degenerating because at first it was like, oh, we don't need to worry about this for like 10 to 15 years. And I was like, oh, maybe five years. And they're like, oh, it's going to be a couple of months. And then it was like, we need to do the surgery as soon as possible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so your mom, so you start saying there was kind of conflict in your family. So your mom's got this heart issue. She gets pushed out of her business. Yeah. And then how did that impact your parents' marriage? Um, well, it, it's hard to explain because my dad was already planning on leaving. Okay. He, they both decided we'll try to make this work, but he had already signed up for a dating site. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that was about three months before my mom had her surgery. Okay. So my mom went in for surgery on December 27th mm-hmm. in 2013, I believe. And she came home on January 2nd, 2014. And he left January 2nd, 2014. Oh my gosh. When something like that happens to you, you just kind of memorize those dates. I'm sorry. It was, she had her surgery the day after. Um, it wasn't, it was a type of Mary Poppins movie. It was the one about the dad. Okay. I can't exactly remember it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, either. Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. okay. Yeah, Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. And so was, you have that 
burning your mind. Because... It was the last movie we saw as a family. Yeah. Okay. My dad almost didn't go because he was like, this is too much. We didn't know that he was actually just planning to leave. So your mom comes home from the hospital and then your mm-hmm. dad leaves. Yeah. And so what kind of condition was your mom in? I mean, this is a major surgery. My mom phrased it when she woke up from surgery is like she got hit by a train. Okay. Because they literally have to crack the sternum open uh-huh. and basically like pull it apart and they just staple it back together or like wire it back together. And so it was like healing the bone. She had, you know, a new valve in her heart. It was, yeah, she was, if she sneezed, it was almost the end of the world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so she comes home mm-hmm. and she's not necessarily in a condition to take care of you guys. Your dad leaves. So yeah. then who, who's taking care of the family? Well, when that happened, my brother kind of, he got really sad. It was a senior year. He just kind of went up into his room for the rest of his senior year and just sort of played games on his computer because that was the only way he, like, knew how to cope with it. My grandma had suffered multiple strokes, had half her foot amputated, so she couldn't really do much. So that left me to take care of the family. I got an under-the-table job to help pay with bills the best I could. I was making dinner and doing all this while being in eighth grade and doing sports still. It it was a crazy time. So you ended up kind of being a caretaker for your family when you weren't necessarily, I mean, you were watching Saving Mr. Banks a little bit ago thinking things are good, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into this level of adulthood you probably weren't prepared for. That is true, yeah. And probably the worst part is is that my dad had taken money out of our accounts. He had uh, stopped making payments for the house, so we lost our house that next Christmas. Yeah, I've moved probably about four to five times since I was 14 or 15. Okay. So you have this life, like you said, leading up to 12 where everything mm-hmm. was good and normal, and then all of a sudden your middle school, high school years, you're all of a sudden a caretaker and yeah. riding and having to carry that stress of we're moving again and how do we pay these bills. Yep. What was your relationship with your dad like during this time? Um. So in the beginning, it was okay. I'm just going to say this now. If I hadn't known everything I did at that time, about him leaving and stuff, I most likely would have gone with him. Mm. Until I was 12, he was my hero. Mm. He was, I was so close with him and all that, and then he left. Mm-hmm. He chose his girlfriends over his kids, mm-hmm. and he just, I, you know, I had a hard time trusting because he's like, oh, yeah, I'll show up. I'll, I'll come. And then if he did come which was rarely, he would be on his phone the entire time. And one time I actually did ask him, I was like, who's more important, um, your girlfriends or your kids? And he did not respond to us. Yeah. And so, and I actually had a really bad concussion my sophomore year that took me out of school for four months because I I fell down the stairs while taking my dog out. And she had wrapped her leash around my legs and I was fixing it at the top of the stairs and she jolted down and she's a big dog. Right. Um, and she just took me with her and I was unconscious at the bottom step for like 30 seconds. I think I'm not quite sure the time because I just 
got back up and was like, mm, my head hurts. Mm. And I went to bed after okay. I took her out. And so it was a lot worse than I thought. And I don't have lots of memories of that time or for a little bit before then, right. which is kind of not really fun because my mom will be like, you did this. I'll be like, no, I didn't. You don't <laughs> remember it at all. No. Okay. And he just said when we told him, cause we told him every time we had a, like a major injury or anything, which there was only two in the time mm-hmm. that he was gone. He was like, Oh no, that's not good. That was his exact text. Yeah. Not yeah. like the pursuer, the hero yeah. that you had seen him be growing up, you know, kind of come in and yeah. help me through this and stuff, but just living his own life. Do you know what a Disneyland dad is? Let me understand. Disneyland dad is like, Oh look, like you go to Disneyland. It's so much fun. It's like roller coasters, Mickey mouse, all that. Like, the spectacle of Disneyland. And that's what he was. He was there for the good times. Okay. Not there for the bad times. Okay. Okay. So does that help you and your mom? Did you and your mom get closer then? Yeah. Because you had to survive. My mom and I did get closer. um, But like over the years, she began like losing friends and stuff because he was just spreading terrible things about her. She never said a bad word about him except to her very, very close friends. Mm -hmm. Like, he would post stuff on Facebook and say things, and uh, she would not say a thing. She tried her best to keep it civil, and he was just constantly bashing her on Facebook. And so she lost a lot of friends because of that. And then it basically became that I was, like, when I was, like, I would say 18, I basically became, like, her therapist which kind of sucks because you want a mom, not a friend or, you know, a client, you know, because every single phone call I have with her since I was 18 was just her telling me how much her life sucks. So again, it's one of those things where you had to grow up so fast. You lost your dad because he, you know, went and did his own thing. And then your mom just needed you so much that you became a provider even emotionally for her. Yeah. You weren't able to be a kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've had a job since I was like 16, so. Okay. Okay, so how was easy was the decision to leave home? I mean, to come to the middle of the country, 30 hours away? Like... Yeah. It was um, a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. You know, you know, when like kids are little, they're like, I'm going to leave my hometown. Like, mm-hmm. I hate it here. I was like, I'm going to leave my hometown. (laughs) I hate it here. But Mm -hmm. Martinez is actually a really, really good hometown. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, I got to go. I was like, I need to not be my mom and not be my dad. Mm -hmm. Because my mom, because she took the the job she had to take to help provide for us, like the second she could get a job. Mm -hmm. And they did not treat her good. Mm -hmm. And she ended up having an an accident at work and they refused to do workman's comp for over a year, which left her being 43% disabled. Okay. So she has no job right now. She's getting retrained and stuff, but it's what makes it even harder is that, I mean, the only good thing about her getting injured is that she got to come to all my events my senior year. Okay. So she was able to be there and support you and be part of that world. Yeah. And I had a lot of events. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, so then you come to Joplin, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and I know a little bit of your story here. You had something pretty significant happen last semester. Was it May? 
yeah, it was this, yeah, May. But I also had, like, leading up to this, like, mm-hmm. three other things had happened. Okay. So in January, um, I lost both my dog, the okay. one that gave me the concussion. Okay. And my grandma. Okay. Um, and then in March, I lost my other dog, mm-hmm. which my dad had chosen in the divorce. Okay. He had a choice of, he could have had custody of me if he wanted, but he wanted custody of the dog. He didn't want any custody of me. And that was one of the hardest things yeah. to hear. Um, and then in May, my father passed away. Um, he killed himself. Okay. And I actually remember that day because I was jokingly with my friend Emil, we were going to go bug my friend Lizzie, who was with her other friend Alex, who were, they were house sitting for okay. someone. And uh, we were going to go bug them. And I had just put on jeans because I had pajamas on. And I got a call from my aunt. And I was looking at the name and I was like, why is she calling me? Mm-hmm. I was like, she has no reason to call me. We had a huge falling out. I told her that I didn't want her in my life. Why is she calling me? And I looked at my friend Emil and I was like, I'm not going to answer it. And he's like, if she's calling you, you might need to answer it. And I was like, fine. And I answered the phone call. And she's like, I, I, I don't know how to... She was like so broken. And also she's like, I don't know how to tell you this. She's like, your father's dead. And I was like... I was just like shocked. I was like, what? And then next thing you know, I'm getting like four different phone calls. One from my brother, one from my mom, one from my grandma. And I'm just like on the phone with my aunt. I was like, okay, thank you. And I didn't answer any other calls. And I just looked to my friend Amelia and I was like, my dad's dead. And he just like was shook. He was like, I don't know what to do, Uh you know? And it was like, I was mostly shocked because there were so many times that I had wished for him to be dead. Uh And now he was. Uh And I didn't know what to do. Uh So I had to call my mom and all, you know, because they had called me and I needed to handle it. And I didn't cry for a good time. Not going to lie. So, but it was, I don't even know how to explain it. Just shocking to hear Mm -hmm. he had killed himself. Had he shown any signs? Had he communicated that he hated himself or that he hated his life at any point? Or was he um, was a paramedic and mm-hmm. was a firefighter, and he had PTSD from that. Um, and he was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and then he was sober for 15 years. And before he died, he had started drinking again. Um, but basically, he and my mom were going back to court so that she could get the part of a retirement that was hers Mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't show up to court. He had lashed out at my brother and had threatened his girlfriend. So this was the first time I had began talking to my dad again. I, the day after my birthday, when I turned 19, I told him, look, I don't ever want you in my life. I don't want to see you ever again but I forgive you. Hmm. And um, so I hadn't talked to him in five months. And so I texted him. I was like, you need to leave Parker's girlfriend alone. 
You need to leave her alone. It's not her problem. It's not his problem. You're the one that did this to yourself. Grow up and be a man. And then we got in a huge fight. And um, my brother was like, thank you so much for handling that. My brother's older than me, but he's a lot more sensitive than I am. Mm -hmm. And he still had a relationship with my brother. Mm -hmm. So um, it was harder for him to stand up to my dad. And when... After that, it all happened. My brother and him actually did have a fight. And my brother, my, not my brother, my dad had killed himself after my brother had had this fight with him, like a couple days after they had a fight. And my brother was trying to call him and text him Uh, to make up. And he wasn't answering. And so I texted him. And I kid you not, my last text to him, and he was alive to see it, if you're not dead or something, just send K. Because the kid that actually cares about you is trying to reach you. Which sounds really insensitive, but he is a lot worse than I'm even telling you. So, so how do you reconcile this in your own mind? I remember having a conversation at, you know, yeah. after you told me what had happened. And, and that was a struggle for you at that time. You know, mm-hmm. How do you reconcile the painful things that he had done to you? to your family, but he's still your father. Yeah, that has been the hardest part. And a lot of people, like my grandma and his girlfriend at the time, like, just remember the good things, you know? Mm-hmm. Remember, like, when you were 12, when he was your hero. And I was like, you know, the only thing I'm going to remember of him is him sitting on that couch decomposing with a bag over his head. I'm not going to remember our Sadie Hawkins dance when I was in fifth grade. That is what I'm going to remember. And it's hard for me to just forget everything that he's done and just remember the good times because he wasn't Disneyland dad. Uh He was both, you know. And it's hard because um, I had basically grieved him for five years already. And, but this time, that last little atom of hope that maybe he'd be that Disneyland dad again was gone. I'm so sorry. It's okay. You know. And we've been able to talk about this some um, and everything. And I'm really proud of how you continue to talk about it. You know, I think that's one of the healthiest things we can do is to talk about it and to get the help that we need. Um, One of the other things that, you know, you had mentioned to me before was that in California, isn't it the oldest is responsible, the oldest child is responsible? So that would technically be my brother who was responsible for it. However, my brother was, is very, very sensitive. Uh He's a big old crybaby and he just doesn't have this I wouldn't necessarily call it ruthlessness but I was detached uh-huh. sort of from the situation and I had I was the one that grew up sort uh-huh. of like you said when my dad left and uh-huh. I knew how to handle it and my brother just couldn't handle it and he would have let people take advantage of him and so he passed his next of kin down next of kin rights down to me okay and so that means that you had to take 
care and close out your father's Mm -hmm. accounts, business dealings. Yep, and I had to pay for everything so far. I'm still waiting on a probate attorney so that, and I had to wait to get the death certificate amended because uh, the death certificate wasn't completely conclusive until we got the toxicology report back, which took six weeks. So I'm waiting for the amended death certificate, and then I can officially close everything out from Social Security to Medicare to all that. But um, the one thing I was not expecting was to have to pay for his cremation and all that, and his mom did not help me one bit. So this is just another circumstance of you having to be older. I have to deal with things older than usually college students have to deal with. Yeah. You know, when I was in college, I was trying to figure out how I can get more money so I can get more <laughs> T-Bell. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, talk about love it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Not trying to figure out how to raise the funds for the commission of my own father. Yeah. And the conflicted feelings you had to be through all of that. Now, so what helped you through, what's helped you since then? You know, from mm-hmm. the legal aspects to just the personal side of things, you know, what's been helpful to you? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's got to be the friends I've made here. Um, you know, I have this really awesome friend. I hope he doesn't mind me saying his name, Daniel. Um, he, uh, basically was like, I'm here for you. He came by at least once a week, uh, you know, coming to talk to you. I didn't know who to talk to. Um, I still think it's funny that, you know, you like made me wait a week cause I didn't tell you what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story yeah. was, you know, you, you yeah. hit me up. It's like, hey, can we hang out sometime? And I didn't have a free time in my yeah. schedule. And I was just, I just think it's funny. Well, when you came in and told yeah. me, like, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I made you wait a week. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I felt just terrible. It, may, it makes me laugh when I think about that. So, but, you know, Daniel helped me out. Cheryl and uh, Rick helping me out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I still have meetings with Cheryl and Rick. I meet with Cheryl, like, every Wednesday. So these were some families in the church yeah. that have, uh, Rick in particular is senior adult minister, and he helps yeah. a lot of people through the end of life, the legal system, stuff like that. Yeah. And so you got connected with them yeah. just to talk on the legal side of things. And yeah. uh, Honestly, having my friends really is what helped me a lot. Because mm-hmm. I got through, I was, I got pretty dark there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was one day where I spent 12 hours on the phone and had made about 40 different phone calls mm. to different people. Mm-hmm. And I was responding to, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, you know, if there's a memorial service, let me know, all that. And so that was, honestly, responding to those messages was the hardest thing because I was like, you know, I was like, please don't condole me. Mm-hmm. I already lost him. Okay. You know, and that was really hard for me. And everyone tell me what a great guy he was. Right. And but it's like I I knew what he really was. I didn't just see him as the Disneyland dad. Right. So. It's always a process of losing someone. Yeah. That was a significant part of our life, whether they were faithful to that responsibility or not. And then, so you grieve that, Mm -hmm. but then you grieve the reality of who they are or who they were. And that's a tough, because you're really grieving both things. Yeah. The idea of a father and the reality of the father that you did have. Mm -hmm. And you're still in school. 
Yeah, I'm still in school. And you're still doing a 4-0. I'm still doing a 4-0. I also am paying for all of my own college. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes my college experience a little <laughs> bit, you know, finding money I for T-Bell is a little different. don't think most people have this college experience. experience so. Mm-hmm. So, um, and even though this podcast isn't directly about your faith, mm-hmm. what, what's kind of been your faith journey through all of this process? So I came to Missouri Southern as sort of a spiritual person. Like, I didn't, nec- I didn't know what was there. I wasn't sure if it was like the universe or if it was God or who it was. I I knew there was something greater, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because there's a group of 10 of us that are in this program together and nine of them are Christians huh. and I'm the only one that is not. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, it's inevitable, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not a Christian yet. I'm mm-hmm. still finding my way, mm-hmm. but I started asking questions to them, you know, about the Bible, about all that, you know, the origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Koinonia once. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever went to Koinonia, and it was I went as a joke, mm-hmm. just to bug my friends, mm-hmm. and I still go to it now. Mm-hmm. And I came to church here for the first time with uh, Daniel, and I still go here now. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not technically a Christian yet, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to find it. I'm, you know, trying to see if God will reveal himself to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's probably a lot of me holding back mm-hmm. um, because I really just need to take that leap of faith, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to take a leap of faith when you don't really trust a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. When your oh, trust yeah. has just been broken so many times, it's like... Because there's just so much doubt going through my mind. Like, what if it's not real? What if what I'm believing is incorrect? Like, is this the right feeling? Is this the wrong feeling? It's just all that, those thoughts going through my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Well, where is God in the middle of all of this? Exactly. And the things that you've experienced in your life and in the past to the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are huge questions. I, I, I think one of the best places to ask questions is in a community. And it seems like you've got that. I do, yeah. People who really know you, who really love you, and have your back. Yeah. That's pretty dynamic. And because your community is mostly college students, but do you even have people that aren't college students? I have Rick and Cheryl. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Daniel's parents have been very helpful. Mm -hmm. Lizzie's parents. Um, You, Cy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't know a lot of people outside Mm -hmm. of... The church, actually. I mean, I do have friends that are in the marching band and mm-hmm. who are on the track team and mm-hmm. all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really have much family. And uh, the ones I do have don't feel like family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've sort of made my own family here. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, too. seriously, because, like, we all... Uh, encounter obstacles in our lives and they, you know, hit everybody differently. And, and you, you can't really compare the obstacles from one person to the next because everybody's obstacles are significant for them. Yeah. And to be able to make healthy choices in the middle of those, that's very commendable. Yeah. Thank you. Because that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, and so, so what's next? So, you know, you're in this accelerated mm-hmm. program. Yeah. 
So this year I have terrible classes and then next year I have terrible classes. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm just trying to get through it, keeping an A. I have an interview in February to try to get into KCU without having to take the MCAT. So hopefully that will go well. You can do that? Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know it was possible MCAT either. is such a monster. It is. That's the big draw to the U.S. Loose program is because you're admitted into medical school and you don't have to take the MCAT. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And would you like to do the UMKC program here in Joplin or is that your first choice? Or Yeah, I want to do the KCU here in Joplin. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's my first choice. It's a brand new med school, state of the art. It's awesome and you start patient um usually you don't start like patient interactions with like these simulated patients until your second year of med school and uh-huh. this med school lets you do it within your first month oh wow yeah okay they're very much patient based which okay. is something i'm very much into okay. and with a do you look more holistically at the body as opposed to just like treating the symptoms which is another part that i um I don't know how to word this. Like, it's, the word's just not coming to me. That's okay. It's what I want in a yeah. med school. Okay. It's what I excel at is connecting with people. You know, and I really appreciate you explaining the difference between a DO and an MD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was afraid to ask earlier, but now. No, it's okay. <laughs> Basically, an MD and a DO do everything the same, except right. for the DO has about 250 hours plus of, training in the musculoskeletal system. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's looking at the interconnectivity of everything. Yeah. Rather than just looking at the core symptom, it's looking at what are some of the bridging dynamics in play that could have helped influence that core symptom. Okay. Yeah. So it's more looking at the whole body, see if the body can heal itself and prescribing minimal amounts of medication. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, you know, I want to wish you luck on that. <laughs> thank you. You know, because that's obviously a long journey. And on behalf of someone who goes to doctors, thank you for doing all the work. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's good to have somebody knows I've what they're got talking like about. Eleven years of schooling left oh because I have these two years. I have four years of med school, which makes it six, mm-hmm. and then I have three to five years of residency, okay. which already makes it eleven. Mm-hmm. I lied, thirteen years because it's two years of fellowship. Before you're a full-fledged doctor in the field I want to go to. There are more different fields that take less time. Right. But, I'm just going into a harder one. Yeah. On yeah. purpose. Well, and, and that's cool. I am. So I, I hope, Haley, a couple things. I hope that you continue to be blessed by the people that are around you. Thank you know, you. the family that both you've pursued and have been given to you is really cool. Um, I hope that, you know, you continue to make your family back home proud of the choices that you've made and stuff like that. I hope you get to be a college student. (laughs) I think we've talked about this before. You get to, you know, not be an adult every moment of your life. It's hard when you work so much, you know. But even those moments where you can hang out with your friends and I should study. I really should, but (laughs) I'm going to go to T-Bell. I'm I'm not trying to do an ad for T-Bell. It's bad for me, but I still really (laughs) like it. Taco Bell, you know, you can't beat those prices. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's the reason, man. And those tacos are so good. Yeah. (laughs) But And I hope that you get to achieve the goals that you have. Thank you. And that God continues to give you those answers that you're looking for. 
Thank you. And help him show his trustworthiness to you. And man, I get it. So thank you yeah, very much, Thank you Haley. for having me. Oh, yeah, for sharing your story. You know, when I asked yeah. you about this, I didn't know if you'd be comfortable yet. Yeah. No, I, I make jokes about it all the time, which sounds really, really bad. Uh-huh. But, like, making jokes is how I have part coped of the with release. it. So, yeah. I understand. But um, I really do thank you for coming out. And I want to thank, again, everybody listening. Yeah, thank you. For hearing her story. And if you'd like to share your story, you know, we really do believe that everybody's story deserves to be heard. And so uh, you can message me at jquade, J-Q-U-A-D-E, at chjoplin.org. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to hearing our next story.